Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead, where we are deep in the middle of summer. Yes, midsummer, I think, is my... Well, I love all the seasons, so I don't know if I can say it's my favorite, but I have been waiting for this time all year. Kristen has lots of favorites, too. Yeah. She has many best friends and <laughs> lots of favorites. So. Well, this is... I, I love mid-late summer because now all of our flowers are blooming. All, the, all of my seedlings are coming into their glory. The whole, the whole garden is coming into its glory, really. Yeah. And it's definitely the best season, along with... Winter, spring, and fall. <laughs> but, well, well, it's great for the gardens. It's great for growing things. Like yeah. every evening, Pete and I are sitting out, or yeah, sitting out and just enjoying everything. It's so peaceful. It's just like sitting on the beach. Yeah, we things start so small in the spring. You have these little seedlings, and then they're growing into little plants, and you're waiting, waiting, waiting. We had several dry weeks, and then we had this big rainstorm come through. And I feel like everything exploded after that. And now the squash plants are huge and the watermelons are, have little tiny watermelons on them. And, and uh, you know, the tomato plants, we're starting to eat our first tomatoes and they're, they're just covered yeah. in, in one, you know, in a week from now, we're going to be inundated with tomatoes. And there's, I have a lot of things that are starting to flower now, a lot of perennials that are flowering now that are going to flower until the frost. So I just, I love this time. Yeah. It's yeah, and our tomatoes. So we planted, we grew from seed um, about, I don't know, 20-some tomato plants, but we weren't planning on it. But over in the forest garden, we have about 12 huge tomato plants that are just growing from seeds from last year. Yeah, we had volunteers come up all over the place, and a bunch of them were in places that weren't helpful, so I picked them. But I picked out 12 of them that were, that were coming up in very convenient spots, and now I'm tying them up to poles and training them a little bit, and we're going to have, I think, more tomatoes than than 20 families could eat. We are going to have so many tomatoes, but I think I said in the last podcast, I've been picking and freezing tons and tons of pesto. I'm also going to be making tons and tons of tomato sauce, and I'll be freezing that. So we'll have fresh tomato sauce, fresh pesto all through the winter. Right, and like Kristen says, the best part of summer, I think, is in the afternoon, you know, putting a, a couple chairs out under the shade of a tree and just getting to, to sit there and, and watch, you know, what's going on, have a drink and enjoy being out in the middle of it. Yeah, this year we've really made a commitment to make sure every day we are enjoying the homestead because we can get really into working really hard and right. not stopping to enjoy it. So this summer has been so great because we are making sure that we are enjoying it. And it's been, I mean, it's been like we're living on vacation. Yeah, and summer helps with that. I mean, it's getting into the upper 80s, into mid 90s every day, and it's too hard to work all yes, the time. Too hot. So, yeah. I've, you know, summer and winter are the times to slow down a little bit and just really start to enjoy what's going on without having to do, do, do. Yeah. And yeah, like Kristen says, we kind of need help with that because we're trying to accomplish so much. But a 95 degree day is. All the help I need. Yeah, right. And I mean, May and early June, we work really, really hard. And now it's all kind of doing its thing. Yeah, super exciting. Yes. So today we are going to be talking about chickens. Chickens. (laughs) Yeah. Chickens, we feel like chickens is something that everyone can do. Yeah. Cows, (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe not so much. Right. They're, they're a lot harder. Yeah. But chickens, as long as you have, if you have a, a level of commitment toward to them so that you can take care of them, they don't require much. Right. My seven-year-old does most of the chicken work now. Right. It I takes think- a lot to set up. You got you to gotta get the right setup for sure. You got to get the right setup. But once they're good to go, yes. it's 10, 15 minutes a day that a seven-year-old can do. Yes. So I want to start by reading an ad that I saw on the internet from 1918 from the United States Department of Agriculture. And it's a little ad with a picture of some backyard hens. And it says, Uncle Sam expects you to keep hens and raise chickens. And then they write a little blurb about it. And they say, two hens in the backyard for each person in the house will keep a family in fresh eggs. Even the smallest backyard has room for a flock large enough to supply a house with eggs. The cost of maintaining such a flock is small. Table and kitchen waste provide much of the feed for hens. They require little attention, only a few minutes a day. An interested child, old enough to take little responsibility, can care for a few fowls as well as a grown person. Every backyard in the United States should contribute its share to a bumper crop of poultry and eggs in 1918. In time of peace, a profitable recreation. In time of war, a patriotic duty. There you go. Patriotic (laughs) duty. Yes. That's good. Yeah, but in reality, all over the world for very, very long time, people have been keeping backyard chickens Mm -hmm. because they're so good at so many things. I love the part in there about that you can feed them from your table waste. I, I just love that. I mean, chickens are an omnivore, so they eat everything. And when we're done with something, if there's leftover scraps, we just give it to the chickens mm-hmm. and there's nothing wasted. We don't throw food out into the trash can anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just had this memory of, I was on at the playground with my friend and she started talking about her mom who lived out in the country. And she said, my mom's going to start keeping chickens. And I think that was the first time that I ever heard about this new trend of keeping chicken. Well, it's not a new trend. It's an old thing, clearly. But A new, very old trend. <laughs> yes. But we didn't know anybody who did I didn't it. know anyone who kept chickens. Yeah, we lived totally in the suburbs in Baltimore. And she said, my mom's going to keep chickens. And I remember just thinking and saying, why? Why would anyone do that? Yeah, what's the point? Why would you keep chickens when you could go to the store and buy eggs really cheap? Yeah, for like a dollar fifty or two dollars <laughs> yeah. a dozen. I did not understand, but we're going to talk a little bit about why to keep chickens. Right. So one of the reasons why is we want good food, mm-hmm. and a two dollar dozen of eggs at the store might not be as good as we thought it was back then. Right. So that's coming out of an industrial system and chickens just have their head in a container eating grain all day and barely moving and pumping out eggs. Mm -hmm. And even the grain that they're eating is questionable. We're not even going to get into that. However, uh, there's been, uh, I'm looking at a study here from Joel Salentin where he's talking about what is in a USDA egg and he compares it to samples he sent from his farm to the lab, and this is in his book, Folks, This Ain't Normal. So vitamin E, for instance, a USDA egg will have 0.97 milligrams of vitamin E. So to put that in context, we want to get about 20 milligrams of vitamin E a day. Right, and you're saying, just to be clear, 0.97. So if you eat 20 eggs a day, you'll get your vitamin E. And this is something that people are noticing we are deficient in. We don't Mm -hmm. get enough vitamin E. Doctors talk about how 
uh, lack of vitamin E can lead to bone breaks in kids. There's probably tons of effects it has on us. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the egg from Polyface Farm, Joel Salatin's place, had 7.37 milligrams. So it has more than seven times as much vitamin E in it. So you eat wow. three of those eggs and you've got what you need for the day wow. just from those eggs. And then you go down the list here and it's vitamin A. There's a, you know almost twice as much. Beta carotene has seven times as much. Folate has... Okay, so folate, I don't know what folate is, but in USDA, it's 47 micrograms. Polyface Farm is over 10,000 micrograms. Um, and then you look at the omega-3s. People are starting to understand how good those are. The Polyface Farm one has more than twice as much. And interesting enough, when it comes to cholesterol, uh, a USDA egg has 423 milligrams. The one from Polyface has less, 292 milligrams. Wow. It has less saturated fat. So we're going down the list here and seeing that in some categories, it it's off the charts more. In every category, it's better. Right, right. So if you're comparing, so on his farm, Polyface Farm, he's got great pasture-raised chickens. So it's important that these chickens are out on pasture, getting bugs, getting air, getting sunlight. Right. So if you, it's always important to know where your food's coming from. So just look at the difference. Eggs from an industrialized system Eggs from pasture. Yeah, why are his better? Kristen just mentioned it. They're out on the pasture. They're mm-hmm. eating bugs. Uh, a chicken should, you know, be getting about a third of its diet from green stuff, right? From grass and anything that's that's growing, and they're going to get zero of that, right? In, um, in, yeah, in a cage. And we talked about um, what do those? What's we had a podcast? What's it called? I don't know what those words mean. Mm-hmm. And we talked about just the different things that are being thrown out there today. And you go to the grocery store and you might see something about your eggs being healthy, like vegetarian fed. We talked about this already, but vegetarian fed, and that just means they're getting grain and they're not getting the bugs that they need. You also might see free range. And that just means they're in this big hen house, basically. Right. So right. it's important that you get pasture raised chickens from a farm or done yourself. Right. We believe this across the board that our food is way better than the food that you're going to get coming out of an industrial system. And when you go to some of those companies and you see the data, quote unquote, that they're putting out there, they try and make it seem like an egg is an egg is an egg and an apple is an apple is an apple. Mm -hmm. And well, look, it's got the same amount of fat and protein in it, no matter which one it is, as if you know, we're, we're back in 1960s or 1970s and we think that all fat's the no, same. No, that was the 1990s. Or 1990s, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just that, that there's these, you know, simplistic ways of looking at food and it's all the same. It doesn't matter how you get to your egg. Right. And I think that seems super naive to us. And a chicken out there, you know, eating incredible stuff is going to uh, produce incredible eggs. Yes. And I think that's obvious when you look at human beings and you say, well, you know, you can just eat whatever you want and it'll be fine for you. Well, not so much, you know? Mm, yeah. So, well, um, I also want to say you can just see the difference in the eggs. So we did a, I, for one little project with the boys, we bought eggs from the store and we compared them with our eggs and the shells on our eggs are just so much thicker first off. And then when you break them, the yolks, our yolks, when our chickens are out on pasture, the yolks are this like almost a neon orange. And we notice a difference. If we bring them in, say for the winter, or we keep them off the pasture for a couple days for whatever reason, the yolks will be less orange. But when they're getting the, when they're out on pasture, they have these neon orange yolks. And then the ones from the store, it's like this pale, pale 
yellow yolk. So you just know, I mean, what is that bright orange color? Is that vitamins? Is that, you know, what is, you just know that they're different. Yeah, yeah, it's obvious. And they do taste better. I think that might be because they're so fresh. Uh Uh-huh. But we're eating them and they're a day or two old, at the most a week old. And the ones you're getting from the store are weeks old before they even get to the store. So yeah, yeah, we compared them, and the only way I can't really describe it, but the only way I can describe it, this is funny, is the ones from the store tasted more eggy. I don't know how I don't. I know that sounds the unpleasant. Weird. Eggy. <laughs> I don't know. It just yeah. Eggy. When you eat an egg, there's this little, there's this aftertaste, and it's not pleasant. Right. And I, I never really noticed how strong that was until we compared it with our eggs right. and it wasn't there. It was like, yeah. the eggy aftertaste isn't there. Right. <laughs> kind of like when we first bought milk from a farm before we were keeping, well, before we had a cow, we did a taste test between the, you know, store-bought milk and the right. and the farm fresh milk and the store-bought milk tasted sour in comparison. In comparison, it yes. tasted sour. And we've never bought milk since we've had a cow, so we never compared, but I'm sure we couldn't handle, I wouldn't, yeah. couldn't handle it. All right, so one of the other really neat things about chickens is that they fit into a homestead. So when you're doing homesteading, even if you're doing it on a smaller scale, you're going to end up with a whole bunch of leftover greens, at least. And then as soon as you add other animals into the system, there's going to be manure of some sort or another. And chickens fit into that perfectly. So we can give them all of our leftover greens. Uh, More importantly for us is we have cows. So we have cow manure everywhere. And flies love to lay larvae in cow manure. And chickens love to eat that. Mm -hmm. So they're going to go up to a big pile of cow manure and think it's the best thing ever. And they're going to kick through it and pick through it and get every single fly larva out of there. And it's going to be really good for the chickens. And it's going to mean less flies for us. And it even helps spread the manure too. So instead of going from a you know, 12 inch piece of cow manure, they're going to spread it out and it's going to be two or three feet big because they've just spread it out of a broader area. That means the greens underneath can grow back through it right. faster. Right. Um, well, also not just the fly larva, but beetles. We were finding some beetles on a lot of our plants and I told the boys I would pay them 10 cents a beetle to feed it to the, to catch it and then feed it to the chickens. And then they were catching a lot. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to owe these kids a lot of money. It's a lot of beetles. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, they'll eat so many, so much of the insect population. They do. I don't think you would find a tick out on the pasture that, that the chickens are on. Right. You know, they, I've, I've watched them walk up to an anthill and they'll scrape through it and pick, you see, how can a chicken eat something as small as an ant? Right. And they, they look down at the ground and they just do this perfect peck right. and get it and they'll, They'll eat them up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Right. What about the composting? So composting is something that it's, at some point you realize it makes no sense to be throwing all of this nutrition into the garbage can like like we do with wasted food. Like that doesn't make sense. And it's bad for the environment because we're just shoving it all into a landfill where it'll never be used again. And so people say, well, then what do you do with it? And the answer is you compost it. And people have a million different ways out there about how you compost from what I can see, there's nothing easier than chickens. Right. So again, we just take all of our, our leftover scraps and we throw them into the chicken coop. Not the run, we throw them into the coop. And the reason we do that is we've got it full of wood chips and the chickens come in there and they eat it all up. And uh, that becomes chicken poop, which then makes its way into the wood chips, which then makes its way into the garden eventually. So all of those nutrients that are in the food get recycled. 
fully. Right. Yeah, so we don't have any kind of compost bin or compost pile or compost anything. We just use the chicken. Right, it takes the place of that. Ignore, yeah. Yeah, and then we have a lot of extra skim milk here. So we use cream to make butter and all kinds of recipes. And so we end up with skim milk and we're not interested in drinking that because we have whole milk to drink. So why would we drink skim milk? We're all about fat in our family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't know it looking at us. but yeah. uh, So anyway, we take the skim milk and give it to the chickens, and they love it. They'll, yeah. I mean, they love it. They'll drink two gallons of skim milk a day if we gave them that much. They yeah. just go through it. Right, right. So, yeah, that's some... Oh, and we're also... One more thing about why to keep chickens. It is great for the kids to have that kind of easy responsibility that makes them feel like they're contributing to the farm. Yeah, it's a hobby that they can have that produces... Yeah. And there's a lot of hobbies out there that produce skill or they produce interest. Like they are, they're giving us some sort of payback. But when it comes to chickens, it's a hobby that they're doing that is producing food that we eat, something substantial that we can, you know, put on our table or give to friends or do whatever we want to do with the eggs. And I think that's really, really neat for them. Yeah. Our boys even sell a lot of our eggs too. So it's just a great learning. Um, a great learning experience for them, and it really is helping them grow in confidence. They love collecting the eggs and bringing them up. They love taking care of their chickens. They're very confident around the chickens. They can hold a chicken really well, and it, I just see it, them growing in maturity and confidence. And it's off. It's awesome. It's great it really for the is. kids. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So those are just some reasons why to keep chickens, and we're going to get into how to keep chickens. There's a ton of information out there about how you can do chickens. Everybody's got their own little variation and everybody's property is a little bit different. I love the way we do it. I think we have a really good setup here. We still have some things that we're refining and getting better at, but I think we've got a lot of good ideas. So we're going to give them to you and hopefully get you excited about maybe keeping chickens yourself. Yeah. So we want to keep this as simple as possible. Again, if you get a book out on chickens or you research about chickens, it can get so it can be so much information that it can be paralyzing. So it does it's a really once you get set up, it's a really easy thing. So we're just going to try to simplify it for you and tell you exactly what we do with chickens. So to get started, you want to order your chicks. Right. So we really like a place called McMurray Hatchery. Right. Um, and we order our chicks online, and we can pick out exactly what breed of chicks we want. And this works better though if you're going to order a bunch. Like you have to order probably ten chicks. No, fifteen them. is. You got to order fifteen. Yeah. So the way to do it, if you don't want to order that many, is to go to a local feed store. Right. We've got a couple around here. If we have them around here, you probably have them around your house because right. uh, we're closer into Baltimore and we still have it. And in the spring, they sell chicks. Yes, and. Around here, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but around here they will only sell them to you six at a time because chickens do need to be a flock. You can't just have one or two chickens. And even if you're in a row house and you have a postage stamp lot and you want to do chickens and you can do them in that small of a space, I Uh still think you would probably want six. Yeah, six is probably the minimum. You're not really going to want to go less than that. Right, right. So again, we really like the McMurray Hatchery. And if you don't want 15, maybe you can split some with a friend or something or go to a feed store and get your chicks. Um, so, so we order our chicks online. They come delivered in the mail and I go to the post office and I pick them up and they are the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. And they're just in this little box peeping and they're just so adorable. Of course, you can also hatch them yourself. If you have chickens and a rooster, we haven't done that. Well, we haven't done that yet. Or if you just get 
eggs that are fertilized, then, you know, people, there's lots of ways to hatch eggs yourself. That's how we got our first. Right. So here's what you're going to do. You need something to keep the chicks in. So we use, and this doesn't have to be complicated. We use a baby pool. We use a baby pool. It's a, it's a larger baby pool. It's not the, the smallest size. The The sides of the baby pool are probably about uh, 15 inches tall or so. Right. And it has a little built-in slide that as the chickens get older, sometimes they make their way up and down they, the slide. They climb up the stairs and slide down the slide. <laughs> they literally do that. <laughs> yes. So, yes, we have a baby pool with a slide. And you need a heat lamp at first. And you can buy that at, I don't know, any, like... Home Depot store or something. Right. So you need a heat lamp and the chickens need to, the baby chicks for the first week, they need to be at about 95 degrees. And so when I first had chicks, I was like, we were, we had no understanding of animals or anything. Right. And you're, you're freaking out. You're like, how far away should the light be? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I think we had wrong? a little thermometer in there to make sure it was 95. We were just so stressed out about it. We had a thermometer yeah. that I would check to make sure it was exactly 95 degrees. But what we've learned is you put the heat lamp on them and if they're cold, they huddle together and they'll shiver. And if they're too hot, they'll separate completely and maybe start panting or something. So just watch the chicks, keep, keep the heat lamp there and just watch them. And if they look cold, bring the heat lamp closer. If they look hot, bring the heat lamp further away. Right. And then there's going to be pine shavings there more than likely something that's flammable. So just make sure the heat lamp is attached properly and it's not going to fall over. Right. We took our heat lamp and I think we attached it to like a music stand or something. Yeah. We had a a music stand that had a, a tripod base to it, a tripod base to it. And so we we clamped it to that and it worked perfectly. Right. You could kind of raise and lower it. Right. So you want shavings at the bottom. We do. We used to buy those pine shavings that they sell at all the feed stores, but we found that those were just really messy and we didn't want to use those in our garden because we didn't know if, what they were or if they were organic or anything. So we just use free wood chips that we get delivered. Yeah, the pine shavings probably are organic. Nobody's spraying their pine trees very much. But nonetheless, uh, well, unless they came from Christmas tree farm and then they're probably covered in stuff. Anyway, (laughs) we just use wood chips. They're free and they're great and they've got a whole bunch of microbes already in them, which is is going to help a little bit. And the chicks, you know, love to just scratch through them and peck at them and they find, you know, little treasures in there. Yeah, right. So again, you're going to have a baby pool, you're going to have a heat lamp, some kind of bedding. I mean, I've, and you don't have to stress about it. I've seen, I've seen some people use newspaper. I don't know about that, but yeah, I don't know. Some kind of bedding. We use wood chips because we like it to be natural and all yeah, that. Yeah, and if you get a, if you get a, a, a big thing of pine shavings, that works too. That's what most people do. Right, right. So anyway, you got your pool, your shavings, your heat lamp. Wait, but what breeds should you well, get? Well, hold on. Food and water. Okay. So you need food and water. We learned about water. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. You have water, and you can talk about the water because you found Yeah, it. so they sell all of these products because this is what you do in America, right? You get a new hobby, and the way you, the way you do your hobby is you buy stuff. So you buy right. a whole bunch of stuff. So <laughs> I would say buy as little as possible because they're only going to be chicks for a very short yeah, amount of time. Yeah, they grow really, really quickly. And they sell these little waterers and feeders that are just chick size. And you're <laughs> like, oh, that's so cute. A little water. I must have this, right? <laughs> Don't buy it. It's the worst. It just gets filled up with dirt right. so It's going to be useless as soon as they're big. But even as chicks, it's got this tiny little lip on it that's like an inch or an inch half. And the chickens just promptly 
you know, kick a whole bunch of stuff into it right. and you end up with the grossest water and you got to change it three times a day. Yeah. So that's worthless. You probably have a lot of bowls in your house. So I would just grab one of those. It can help depending on how big it is to, um, to put it up on a stone or a brick or something like that. Make sure the chicks can get their little heads over the top, but yes. you want it to be as tall as possible while they can still get their heads over the top. Right. And that means they won't kick a whole bunch of wood chips or pine <laughs> shavings into it. Yeah, you won't we, have to change it very often. Yeah, we got that baby feeder at first, and then they would come up to it and just knock those shavings into it. Right. And so it was just becoming this shaving collector. Save yourself 15 bucks and use yes. something you already have. Oh, yeah, it's so funny. Even with baby stuff, I was thinking if we have another baby, I do not want baby gear. How much of that baby gear do we actually need? The oh, same but thing it's with so fun. You have chicks. a baby and you register for all this stuff and you have a shower and people bring you everything and you end Just up with a house of stuff you never use. stuff everywhere. So anyway. yes. Anyway, so chicks, it's not that, it's really not that complicated. Um, and they're so cute and you can just play with them. My kids, we just love holding the baby peeps and they, they're just so adorable. I do pick them up when they come and I put their little beaks in the water so they know where it is. I don't know if that's necessary, but someone told me to do it and I've done that ever since. So I bet they would figure out one thing that is important. So you don't need to buy everything that's marketed to you for baby chicks, but you do need baby chick food. Yeah. I would get the chick food. We, we had the adult food, so we just gave them that. And we lost a couple. They are very fragile. Like yeah. the chicks are very, very fragile yeah. when they're that young. And we lost a few, and we're pretty sure it's because there was something in the feed that was, uh, they were able to swallow it, but then it was too big for them. Yeah, we felt or, terrible. We lost a couple from giving them adult feed. So that was really sad. So learn from our mistake on that and give it baby chick food. Yeah, baby so, chick food. Yes. Okay, so Pete, breeds. What are your favorite breeds? So there's a lot of information out there, and you, it's fun to read about it. And you're like, oh, this one's really good with families, and this one's... They're all really good with families. <laughs> They've been raised for hundreds of years, thousands of years to be domestic animals. So they're all really good with families. Um, but there are differences in the breeds. And I think what I, I would recommend is do, a, do different kinds. Yeah. I love seeing variety out there. And we plan on having chickens for for decades. So how are we ever going to know what are the best breeds for our setup here unless we try different ones? Right. So I think it's really great to try different ones. We have noticed some differences. Even in personality. So we have, I love the barred rocks. They're like the black and white striped ones. And I just think they look so cool. And they are the most friendly and the most curious. They're just so curious they're and they they're the ones that escape yeah that's the downside is they're the ones that escape (laughs) every time a chicken escapes it's it's always the barred rock yeah 19 out of 20 times it's a barred rock right right but they're cool looking and they're just friendly they're the friendliest ones i think right um i think the rhode island reds produce the best eggs yes the best looking eggs i mean they all taste terrific but they've got this this deep brown shell that's shiny and they're always just the perfect shape uh, I love the partridge rocks. They are so cool looking. They're the, a mix between a Rhode Island red and a barred rock. So they're just super pretty. I love them. Right. And then we have a, a buff Orpington. We've had, we just have one of those because it's nice to see this golden colored chicken running around and the rest of them are all darker colors. Yes. So um, I just think of variety. And they'll tell you at the hatcheries how many eggs you can expect to get from them. So... An, an egg, a good egg-laying chicken is going to give you two to over 300 eggs a year. So okay. on average, they're going to be laying... Sometimes they, they'll lay you know, five, six eggs a week right. you know, if they have a really good week. So right. they're producing a ton of eggs. And that's what these chickens have been bred for, is to produce 
um, good eggs, and then along the way to also hopefully be very healthy animals. If you live real far north, you want to get ones that are better for the cold. I mean, chickens originated as jungle fowl coming out of the tropics. So, um, however, they've been bred to be able to withstand a lot of cold. Um, not as big a deal for us in Maryland, but I think the further north you get, you got to be careful what breeds you get. Okay, sorry. So back to the chick phase. You're going to have them in their little baby pool or whatever you have for them. And you want to keep them in there for a few weeks while they're in the peep phase. So they're going to start off around 95 degrees. And again, you just put the heat lamp on them. And then each week you kind of take the heat lamp further and further away as they adjust to the temperatures. Right. So if it's early in the spring, you probably want to keep it closer. Right. And then if you're in the summer, you get to take it away a little faster. Yes. We actually learned, so we first got our chickens in like March and it was just so cold. So they had to stay inside for a longer period of time. We have learned to get chickens in the heat of the summer. So then we can put them outside really quickly because it's already in the nineties pretty much around here. Right. So yeah, June is probably good. We're probably going to order some now and we're in the middle of July and that's still okay. They'll be fine for the winter. Right. But I definitely recommend doing it when it's warm outside and not cold outside. But for about the first few weeks, you're going to just slowly move that heat lamp away. And then they turn into what we call the awkward middle school phase within a couple of weeks where they're kind of... Turns ha- out most animals <laughs> look awkward in that phase. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they have their like part peep, part chicken, and they're in this awkward middle phase. So they get their feathers and they look awkward. That's when they're in the pullet phase. And once they have, once they start getting their feathers, that's when they can handle the weather a little bit better and they can start to go outside. Right. And it's always such a relief when you get them out of your house because they start to get big and they start to jump out and start to... Yeah, you start with them in the house or, you know, on a porch or in the basement or something like that. And it's, they're so cute. So it's nice to have them close because you want to be playing with them a lot and looking at them a lot. And then, yeah, they hit this point where you're like, all right, let's get these things out of here. <laughs> yes, they're not... <laughs> they're clearly not indoor animals. <laughs> they're not cute anymore. And then they get really beautiful when they become chickens. But, you know, they're nice to have outside and not inside. Right. So you're going to bring them outside once they start to get their feathers, which is about, I don't know, maybe eight weeks or something. I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, something like that. You'll know. So then you're going to put them out into their coop and their run. And when you're keeping chickens, the hardest part is really getting that initial stuff set up, that initial coop and that initial run. And Pete's going to talk about that. And once you have that, really, once you have the setup for them, they take 15 minutes a day, if that. And so Pete, you're going to talk about the coop, the run, the nesting boxes, all that. Right. So when we first got chickens, we got them before we moved uh, to our homestead, which was a little bit crazy, I think. I don't know why we did that in the middle of moving. I think we just really wanted to get started. Chickens take about six months to lay eggs, and we knew we were moving, but we just didn't want to wait anymore. So we were in the midst of moving, which is incredibly stressful, and we bought chickens. Right. I don't know what we were thinking. Right. (laughs) However, the cool thing about that was is I didn't build a coop at our old house. I was like, we just need something temporary here. I'm not going to build my my coop that I want for the next three decades here. So I just had a bunch of leftover scrap material in the basement, and I used that. I like Mm -hmm. put together this little coop in an afternoon, and then we put some temporary fence around it in a corner of the yard. You know, we we. We put some of those metal stakes in the ground and just put wire fence up around it. And that we figured that would be good enough till we moved. And what that did was allowed me to kind of just get to know the chickens a little bit and see what it was like to have them before I wanted to build a major coop. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really good. And I've heard of other people doing that is, 
you really want to get chickens, but you don't know anything about it, it might be okay if you have some scrap materials and things like that just to put together something for a little bit. And uh, you can watch them. And then once you really know what you're doing, build build a, a really nice coop. Now, you can get pre-made coops. Uh, I like to build stuff, so that was seemed silly to me. And then we, we got out here to our homestead and we have a big barn. And mm-hmm. it was, why would I build another structure on the property when we already have this barn that has lots of 10 by 10 stalls in it? So we ended up just using a 10 by 10 stall, which is plenty big enough for, we have 24 chickens. We could probably get up to about 30 and we'd be okay. Mm-hmm. At that point, it might be a little bit small. They, they do huddle together in, the, in, the, in their coop during, you know, when it's snowing out or if it's storming or if it's really hot or something like that. Um, so we have a 10 by 10 stall. And at that point, then the only thing I had to do the coop was put roosting, um, a roost in it and then the lane boxes. So chickens are a bird and they came from the jungle and the way they survive in the jungle is flying up into a tree. And so nothing eats them and they still want to do that to a certain degree. So we have a roost in there, which is just a two by four board that goes you know, 10 feet from side to side of the coop. I put two of them in there so they can jump up on one and then jump a few more feet up to the other one. Every single night, they just come back into the coop and they jump up on their roosts and that's where they go to sleep. Yeah, it's really cool when you're in the barn at nighttime and you see them all cuddling up on the roost together. It's really cool. It is, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to teach them as long as they know where their coop is. Mm-hmm. A couple of them get lost initially. They, You find them roosting on a fence or a table or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go back into the to the coop. Yeah, once they learn where their coop is, though, they all come back at night. Yeah, they all come back, and then we just shut the door. Some people have automatic door closers because they just don't want to forget or they don't want to do it. Uh, we go down to the barn every evening anyway, so I just shut the door, and then they're they're locked in there. You want to make sure there's some ventilation, uh, and ours has a window that opens with a screen on it, so nothing can get through. And uh, you know, then they stay in there. Next is the the lane boxes. So a chicken wants to have a nice, clean, snug place to lay its egg. So if you have ducks, they might lay their eggs anywhere, and you have to go find them. For a chicken, they're gonna. If you put a lane box in there, they're gonna use it. That's what they want to do. Right. So when they're first starting to lay eggs, they might drop one out here and there. Right. Uh, they, maybe they weren't expecting it. Yeah. Our first egg. I remember I was so excited. I went down to the to the barn and I found this egg just laying on the floor of the coop. Right. <laughs> it was our first egg. But one thing I did learn was you can put ping pong balls or something in the in the nesting boxes at first, so they learn. But Right, they see a ping pong ball in there, and they're like, oh, this is where I lay the egg. Right, so, right. Yeah, they fly into them. I think a nesting box should be at a minimum 12 by 12 by 12. We decided to make ours a little bigger than that just so they you know, they can have a nice cushy laying box. Mm-hmm. So ours are uh, 14 inches tall, 16 inches wide, and 12 inches deep, and that's plenty of room for them. Right. Uh, it's still nice and snug. And we then we do lot. put pine shavings in there. Right. We have a lot of nesting boxes, don't we? Yeah, we have um, we have we have ten okay. total. Actually twelve. We have twelve nesting boxes for twenty-four chickens. I think you wanna you probably max out at about one lane box per three hens. Right. Um, I feel like they use there's some that they use more than others though. Yeah, I'll I'll go down there in the evening and half of them will be empty and then the you know you might find six eggs in one. Right. So which, they're just taking turns using the same one. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, we use pine shavings in there. That's just uh, 
they keep, they will naturally keep their lane boxes really clean. They don't Mm -hmm. poop in it. And so you can keep pine shavings in there for a very long time and they're nice and fluffy and really comfortable for the chickens to lie down in. And that's a little bit better than the wood chips there. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And in case people don't know, I kind of assume people would know this, but a chicken is not going to lay more than one egg a day. So you might think one hen will lay like three eggs or something, but they lay about one a day, maybe one every other day. I was floored to find out that they laid that many. Right. That, that you would, I figured you might get a couple eggs a week or something. For some reason, I just pictured one hen laying like three eggs at first. I don't know why I thought that, but <laughs> I don't know. Probably because you always see pictures of them laying on three eggs. So what a hen does is they lay the eggs and you come and you take the egg, but they want to have babies. So sometimes they go broody and they just want to sit on the eggs. Once they get three, that's a clutch and they'll just sit. Right. So, they wait for a clutch typically before they go broody. Which is three eggs. And if you're collecting the eggs every day, they never get a clutch. Yeah, so they keep laying. Right. They, so, so broody they means laying. they stop laying eggs and they just sit on their like three eggs. Right. Every once in a while we still have one go broody and it just wants to sit in the nesting box for a month. Right. And people do stuff to get their hens out of that. We just don't care that much. You know, if, if one hen wants to go broody for a month, it just it decides it wants to lay in the lane box for a while, whatever. That's oh, fine. really? I thought Justin pulls them out. We did for a while. We've had one broody down there for the last month. It's just, just sitting. Is she going to have a baby? No. Have babies? No, because she's not laying on the eggs. Oh, you're taking the eggs still? <laughs> we still take the eggs. Oh, but she's just sitting there. Okay. <laughs> Which she doesn't appreciate. But. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I don't really do much with the chickens except make... I make eggs for us and for the kids. You're the but chef. I'm the chef, but I haven't gone down there that much. Boys do it. Do right. Boys do everything. Right. So <laughs> that's all standard chicken stuff. Now, the thing that we do, and we've talked about it before, is we do wood chips in the coop. Mm-hmm. And this makes all the difference yeah. because we started out doing pine shavings and it was a total mess. Oh, gosh. It was like a layer of dust everywhere. Right. And it's just the wood chips are terrific. So we put them in there thick. Mm-hmm. We have a tree guy nearby, and he dumps truckloads of wood chips for us because he doesn't want them. He's, you know, he's, he's chopping up trees every day, and nobody wants their mulch for whatever reason. So he brings all of his waste to us, which is wood chips, and I put them in there at least 12 inches deep. Mm-hmm. So I put them in there 12 inches deep. It's a stall that had a concrete floor. Doesn't matter if it's dirt. That's okay. If it's a wood floor, it's going to rot out, and... If you're okay with that, then that's fine too, um, because it will keep some moisture in it. The chicken poop has a certain amount of moisture in it, and then um, I'll actually wet mine down from time to time because I want there to be a lot of microbes growing in it, and I'll add new wood chips, uh, maybe a, a wheelbarrow full of wood chips. I'll do that once a month or something just to keep some fresh stuff on top. Um, and so I have 12 inches at least of wood chips in there, and what that does then is I do not clean out the coop. Mm-hmm. I unload the wood chips, which disintegrate into this, this powdery, amazing compost, and we put that on the garden once a year. I literally take it out once a year. That's how often I clean out the chicken coop. Oh, I thought you did it twice a year. I started doing it, I did it after six months, and then I waited after eight months, and the stuff just keeps getting better and better. Oh, okay. So this year I'm going to do it for 12 months, and... Uh, yeah, it's, it turns into this amazing compost. So you find out when you grow gardens that putting organic material on top of your gardens and on top of your orchard is wonderful. When that organic material is, is recycled 
nutrient-dense food. It's incredible. So chicken poop is so good for your garden. It's good for your trees. Anything that grows will love it. So we go ahead and put that everywhere. I wish we had more of it. It's so good. Right. So, okay, well, there's that. But then there's also predators we need to talk about. So Everything likes chicken. Yes, everything likes chicken. So you have a coop, but we also have something called a run. And that's like a, a little gated area right outside the coop that the chickens can stay in. Now, we like our chickens to be on pasture. So we have the run for like sometimes usage, but then we open up the run and they get to go on the whole pasture. Right. So we did what seems pretty ideal to me now, which is the coop goes out into the run and then the run leads out to a pasture where they can, they can have free range, but we wanted to be able to shut them in sometimes. So if we go on vacation or it's the middle of winter and I don't want them tearing up the pasture, then we keep them in the run. We have a really large run. It's Uh, it's 30 by 30. Of course, we have a lot of chickens. Mm -hmm. Most people are going to do a smaller run than that. I don't even think ours needs to be nearly that big, but uh, I just wanted it to be extra large. So we can keep them in there. uh, And we do throughout the winter. If I just let the chickens out on pasture all winter long, they would tear it to pieces. Um, So if you have a small yard that you don't want chickens taking over your yard, but you want to have chickens, you just have to build a little run. (laughs) Child interruption. Okay. So a run is going to be this area that your chickens have and they're, you, you, you might say, well, I don't have space for them to be out on pasture. Are my eggs still going to be as good? Well, they're not going to be as good if, if, as if they were on free range over an entire pasture. They can still be incredible. Your chickens are going to be getting sunlight. They're going to be getting the bugs that do fly into the run. And even if they're in a run, you can be bringing them all kinds of vegetation throughout your property. So even if you have a small yard, you're going to have lawn clippings. Uh, those The chickens will love those. They'll eat them up. Everything that you want to pull out, all your weeds. Mm -hmm. If you have a vegetable garden, you find that there's a whole bunch of leftover uh, leaves and, you know, tomatoes that you didn't get to in time or something that a bug ate a hole in. You can give all of that to the chickens, including all of the scraps from from the the normal stuff that you eat. Mm -hmm. And they're going to love it and you're going to end up with really good eggs. Right. But if you do have room, the ideal is you get your chickens out on pasture. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think... The biggest problem people have with this is hawks. For whatever reason, we don't have that issue here. I think it's the dogs, honestly. I think the dogs keep the hawks away. Yeah, the dogs probably help. And well, then... we bought when we first got chickens, we bought this huge hawk netting thing. But yeah, yeah, I bought a thirty by thirty net to go over the run. Yes, which we never needed because we yeah, don't we, have I, hawks. I never installed it. <laughs> yeah, we have so... hawks. We see them everywhere, but they don't go after our chickens. Yeah, we back up to thousands of acres of woods. Yeah, and there's hawks. There's tons of hawks. They, won't, they don't eat the chickens. Right. Oh, and one, one other thing that just popped into my head. If you're trying to think of where to put your coop and where to put your run, they do like shade. They need shade. So yeah. I mean, want... nothing's going to be out on a 95-degree day right. in the sun. That's right. just not... Everything wants some kind of shade. So just try to find a place. Our pasture doesn't have a lot of shade, so when it gets too hot, our chickens go into the coop. So Yeah, there are some trees do. around the periphery, so they'll, they'll find their way into that shade. Right. Now... So we let them out on pasture, but there's lots of places in our in our yard we don't want them to go. I mean, if they mm-hmm. got into the vegetable garden or even the herb gardens, mm-hmm. they would they would tear it up. What we did, and we we didn't know this would work, but what we did is I put a four foot fencing around the pasture. There's already a, a fence around the pasture, and I put a four foot uh, welded wire fence around it, 
it's a galvanized product and it's uh, it's not too expensive. And we, we were able to put around the entire pasture and the chickens can fly over it, but they don't. Yeah. So a chicken can easily fly four feet tall. Mm-hmm. And some people clip their wings, which that just means clipping the feathers off the end and then they can't fly very much. But they can fly over it and they just choose not to. Well, I think it's because I trained the dog. Yeah, every once in a while <sighs> a chicken does fly out, usually barred rock. And uh-huh. Kristen trained the dog to go chase it into the corner and it'll fly back in. Yes, so we did a or podcast. Justin, or Justin, our son will throw it back in. Yeah, we, we did the podcast on our dog. He's an English collie who's super smart. And we just I just talked to him and asked him to, when a chicken gets out, he literally chases a chicken into a corner of the yard. It's this one place that we showed him to chase him. And then we pick up the chicken and we put the chicken over because you, you can't really chase down a chicken. That's right. really hard. I've tried. Yeah, they're fast. <laughs> if you want to look silly, you can do it. Yes. Now, in general, most animals, one of the ways you contain them is you make it so that they don't want to leave. So the chickens have access to a lot of pasture. So they're not going to jump over that fence or fly over that fence because they've already got plenty of room where they are. So I think that putting up that four-foot fence, as long as they have an area that's large enough, is it's plenty wide for us. Right. But if you have a small backyard... You probably want to keep them in the run. Yes. You want, you want a big, good, tall run. Because if you have a small backyard, they might keep trying to get out. So just make it tall enough that they can't fly over it or put a, a like a wire roof on the top. Right. And now, now that we have them out on pasture, I just want to be able to keep giving them access to more and more parts of our property that I can get them to. Mm-hmm. Because... We notice that they eat so many insects and they go through all of the cow manure and it's really great. I mean, they're out there fertilizing everything. So the more access they have to the to our property, the better. Mm-hmm. That's my goal is to keep giving them more and more access. Now, back to the predators. When we were back at our old house, we had them in this temporary fence and I came out one morning and there was this massacre. Mm. It was gross. I mean, there was chicken parts everywhere. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. A raccoon had gotten to them and a ra- raccoons, they don't even care about eating the chicken. They mm. just want to kill. Right. And so we were in the suburbs. We didn't really even know we had that many predators, but we had, we had so many predators right. at the old place. So our chicken run has the welded wire fencing around it, and then I even put in uh, a stone base. It, it was some paver stones that I got so that it's nothing can, can, can crawl through it at the base. I put that, um, I don't know, maybe six inches underground. And so it's, you know, something could still dig under that, but I would notice if something started to. I would be able to see it happen. Well, if something took the time to try to dig, our dogs would be on that. <laughs> right, and the dogs are here, so... Yeah, we don't have a lot of predator issues because of the dogs. But if you don't have that, you want to make sure you've got a secure setup for the chickens. Yeah, it's amazing because we used to live in the suburbs, but we didn't have the dog. And we had, you know, a terrible predator issue for the short time that we were there with the chickens. Then we move out to this 10-acre farm back into tons and tons of woods. And since we had the right setup, we haven't lost any chickens to predators. We had one wander off. And, and I one guess disappeared. One disappeared. We assume it wandered off and got taken. It escaped because we saw it. It had kicked through some of the some of the mulch around some of the bushes outside of the pasture. Yeah. And then it was gone. Yeah. So we don't know what happened to that one chicken. But other than that, we haven't had any raccoon or fox or anything or hawks or anything. And we think that's the dogs. But also, you know, you want to make sure that you have a coop that the door locks. You can't just have a door. A, a raccoon will walk right up and open the door with their little hands. Right. So 
you want to make sure you have a lock and you have it secure. And if you do have someone break in and eat your chickens, you just, you have to learn and make it even more secure for the next time. Right. And what's, what's nice about chickens is it's not a major deal if you lose one. I mean, it's sad. It's definitely sad. It's not the same as if we lost a cow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be tragic. For the chickens, there's a little bit of space there to learn. You know, oh, my coop isn't as secure as I thought it was. Let me make it better and that kind of thing. Some people do get chickens because they're all excited about the idea. And I, I've heard of this. I don't know anybody who's done it. But they, they don't, they're not really committed. And then you end up with this, this situation on their hands that they don't really want to deal with. And um, if, you're, if, you're, if you have enough commitment to get the initial setup and then do 15 minutes a day, I think that you know, it's just not that big a deal. Right. Yeah. And just more information about chickens. They start laying around six months old and they're only actually going to lay for about two, two and a half years. And then they're going to start really slowing down. And that's what you want to be prepared for. Right. So I, we watched Alaska, the last frontier. And when, at one point he was getting ready to slaughter a chicken and he said, we're not running a chicken retirement home. So you might not want to have just pet chicken. Maybe you want pet chickens, and Those that's fine. Those chickens will last for many years right. without laying very many eggs right. if you let them. Right. So what are you going to do with your chickens in two and a half or three years right. after you get them? That You just want to have an answer for that. Right. Ours become stew, mm -hmm. and we're okay with that. And it's something I wanted to learn, and it's not pleasant for me. I don't really like it. It's the thing I like the least about having chickens. Right. But we're going to turn ours into stew birds. We've already done that for some of them. And, and, and you know, it's not great meat when they're that old of a chicken. You got to, you know, you can make chicken salad and put a lot of stuff in it or just make it into stew. The broth is incredible. Right. Really great broth. And then since you already have the setup, it's very easy to then bring in more chickens. So we're going to get a whole new, um, we're going to refresh, re refresh our flock with new chickens, but it won't really be much work because we already have everything we need set up for them. Right. We have two that we initially hatched and they're kind of the pet chickens. Right. They get, they get to retire here because yes. the kids love them so much. Pete's mom was part of a garden club and they gave us some eggs and they were fertilized eggs in an incubator and we watched these chickens hatch. That was a neat experience. So they get a lifelong, they get to be here lifelong, we decided, because we watched them hatch. Right. <laughs> Everybody else is going to get cycled through. Yes, yes. So we've kind of made it sound like we only feed our chickens from the pasture greens and table scraps, but we do actually have to give supplemental food to the chickens. Yeah, I've heard of some people who do feed their chickens completely off of what's in their yard. Almost everybody, though, gives their chickens grain, and we do that too. So we have a nice uh, non-soy, uh, non-GMO organic grain. Uh, Hill and Naturals makes it, but I think there's a bunch of them out there. You, you'll probably have to look a little bit harder than your local feed store to find it. Uh, but we give them grain, and we, we kind of let them have as much as they want. My goal is to be able to provide for them entirely off of our property eventually. Right. We have uh, eastern redbud trees, and uh, we've talked about our nut trees before, <laughs> hazelnuts and stuff. So we'll be able to do that eventually. But for right now, uh, we still give them a lot of grain. And even then, we're giving them a lot less because we give them the milk. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the more and more food that we're producing here, the less and less grain we're going to have to buy for the chickens. But Right, including stuff that has high protein in it. Right, but getting started, we are giving some grain. 
Um, but yeah, when the mulberry tree, we have a huge mulberry tree. When that was bearing fruit, we would, I would have the kids, we would carry buckets and buckets down to the chickens. So, and we got another one growing there. We figured the chickens needed another shade tree. So we're growing one. Why not grow something that rains food down on them? Right. So So we're growing another mulberry tree. So yeah, we, we do buy grain and someday maybe we won't, but that is something to think about. Right. And I, it is worth it for us to pay a little bit more to get high quality grain. Yeah. I feel like if I'm getting eggs out of these chickens, I want them to be just really high quality eggs. So we do think it's important what our chickens eat. Um, also one thing that people ask a lot is, do they need a rooster? We have a rooster. You don't need a rooster. I love our rooster. We named him Romeo. We love hearing (laughs) the rooster calls. Yeah. Romeo, the rooster. He, yeah, he's a lover. Yes. Um, so we just love the sound of a rooster crowing. They are just such beautiful birds. We have a Rhode Island red rooster. And sometimes you might get, when we bought our chicks at the feed store, sometimes you might accidentally get a rooster in there. And you'll know within a short period of time that you have an accidental rooster. So at one point, we had three or four roosters yeah. crowing constantly. So we had to... There was too much crowing. And one of them was being especially rough on the hens. Yeah, and... And one of them was Chwap, was very aggressive with us. Yeah. So <laughs> Worst Chwap. named chicken ever. <laughs> I don't know where Chwap got his name, but he got <laughs> he was this gorgeous rooster, but he got really scary. He right. So roosters, you know, are very dangerous. I mean we they love we love having a rooster, but they do protect the hens. And they they keep the hens safe. Right. But so one of their jobs, one of their main jobs is they look out for the hens. Mm-hmm. They're always watching the sky and watching the woods. And while most of the chicken chickens all day long, they're pecking at the dirt and kind of just trying to figure out what they're gonna eat next. The rooster's always looking. He's always being aware. And yeah. I'll go down there with a big bowl of table scraps and I'll throw it in. All the hens go and try and grab the food right away, and the rooster backs up. Yeah. He lets them all have it first. It, it's he's a very unselfish rooster. Yeah, he protects his his hens. So we really like him, but we do know I if I go into the coop, I don't go into the coop without a weapon, a rake, or a broom or yeah. a stick. He doesn't go near me. I don't worry about it at all. But I definitely don't want the kids in there by themselves. Except for a seven-year-old. Yeah. And we did have one kid come over and the rooster kind of chased her around. So you you definitely want to be careful with a rooster. You don't want to just have a rooster. You don't really trust a rooster around children. Justin, our, son, our seven-year-old Justin, he... You can talk about the rooster. What's your advice about a rooster? Well, to... Well, to um, get it to not attack, you can love on it as a chick where it doesn't attack anything so you just give it extra love when it's a chick and you think that helps you hold it a lot um all the other chickens have pecked me except for romeo yeah Yeah. all the other roosters right right and then when you go in the chicken coop what do you bring with you the um a a big stick i don't (laughs) bring it in anymore because romeo doesn't do anything. He doesn't attack oh, okay. you. I think yeah. Twop attacked me, and it was terrifying. I was screaming. Right. It wasn't actually... So I didn't get to the point where he was attacking me, but he was just, like, running at me with, like, these feathers everywhere, and I was just I know, screaming. I know. That was what Romeo... Right. Yeah. But people ask me all the time, will the, will the hens still lay eggs without a rooster? And they will. They'll still lay eggs without a rooster. They won't be fertilized eggs. They'll never turn into a chicken. Right. But if you just want eggs to eat, you don't need it to be a fertilized egg. So you can definitely do... Do chickens without a rooster. You might accidentally get a rooster, so you'll have to figure out what to do there. Yeah, if you're going to order chickens, be aware you might get a rooster and they have to do something about it. But I do think having them, if you're going to have your chickens out on pasture, I really think it's a good idea to have a rooster out there with them. Right, right. But again, you don't have to. If that's a deal breaker for you, you don't have to have it. 
So this is our longest podcast ever. Super well, long. Longer than the cow <laughs> podcast. Yeah. I guess we had a lot to say about chickens. So we think, again, anyone can keep chickens. We think that they are a great family animal to have. And if you have any questions, you can just shoot us an email. Yeah, they're a great way to get your homestead going really quickly. Right. So they produce a whole lot and they get your compost done for you. Mm -hmm. I think it's a terrific way to really to get ahead very quickly on your Right. And it's a great source of protein. You can grow a lot of fruits and vegetables, but it's great when you get that protein source. That's when you feel like... And they add a certain amount of life and beauty to the farm too. Oh yeah. Looking out and seeing your chickens really brings a lot of peace to the farm, I think. so. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Bye.